James Bond has quite the package. He has his gun, his gadgets and his girls. The fact that they each serve different purposes, operate in different ways and signify different things is very important. That's because everything about Bond is designed and deployed to double the effect. For instance, James Bond is not just James Bond, he is also 007. Not only does he have a preferred drink, he wants it prepared a particular way. Shaken, not stirred, may be the weaker method to serve a martini, but that hardly matters. The phrase is more readily identifiable than any of these lines. You can't handle the truth! The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You know what they call a quarter pound of a cheese in France? I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. I'll have what she's having. It'll be, hey. <laughs> yeah. Furthermore, you don't just have a scene in a Bond movie. You have a scene set in an exotic location. Added to that, you don't just have a baddie in a Bond film, you have a villain, a nemesis, a maniac bent on world domination. And then you have the music. And brilliantly, to avoid the theme becoming overly repetitive, each film comes packaged with its own theme song. Not only that, but the song plays over opening credits that are often as detailed as any action scene. Bond's ability to generate conversation, opinion and debate is so great that as franchises and marketing go, you can't get much better than James Brand. My name is Bond. James Bond. And for a certain style or genre of filmmaking, branding is crucial. In cinema, branding comes with iconic moments. And yet, oddly, such moments are not necessarily typical of the plot. On the contrary, Certain films are famous for the moments where they break out of their own skin and become something else. What am I talking about? Well, let's look at another element to the Bond series, the pre-credit sequence. Now, the pre-credit sequence did not originate with Bond. You need to go back to 1934 and a picture called Crime Without Passion. But for me, at least, over, above and beyond the guns, the gadgets and the girls, the most lasting, most durable and most flexible element in a Bond film is the pre-credit sequence. Bronson's down. He needs a medical evac. Where is it? Is it there? Hard drive's gone. Are you sure? It's gone. Give me a minute. They must have it. Get after them. I'm stabilizing Bronson. Have the time. I have to stop the bleeding. Leave him. The pre-credit sequence in Bond is an individual segment operating in a manner that is completely independent of the rest of the film. And that in turn helps cement a storytelling device that, although it had been gently brewing since the earliest days of cinema, since the arrival of Bond, it offers every film the chance to present its iconic moment. I'm talking about the set piece, a sequence that exists almost as a separate entity from the rest of the picture. But how can it be separate from the film if it is part of the film? Well, the set piece is designed to communicate a central idea in a way that is completely different from the rest of the film. Let's take a look at a film that contains the most audacious American set piece from the last 50 years. I believe in America. America has made my fortune. And I raised my daughter in the American fashion. I gave her freedom, but I taught her never to dishonor her family. 
she found a boyfriend, not an Italian. She went to the movies with him. She stayed out late. I didn't protest. Two months ago, he took her for a drive with another boyfriend. They made her drink whiskey. And then they tried to take advantage of her. She resisted. She kept her honor. Part of the brilliance of The Godfather is that you can almost measure it in terms of its set pieces. The horse's head in the bed, the murder attempt in Don Corleone, Michael coming to the rescue at the hospital, Michael murdering Salazzo and Captain McCluskey, Sonny at the causeway, the Don's funeral. But towering above them all is the baptism sequence. It occurs near the end of the film and nowhere else in the movie is there such an elaborate articulation of sound and image. That sequence cuts back and forth between a baby being baptized and a half dozen mafiosi being assassinated in New York and Los Angeles. The accumulation is so great that the dramatic tension and expression of it far outstrips anything else in the picture. You see, the set piece requires not only a different manner of communication, it needs to move beyond the spoken word. As if to prove this, the baptism sequence takes its cue from a 1925 movie from Russia, Battleship Atemkin which still stands as one of the most stunning and groundbreaking set pieces ever committed to celluloid. In Battleship Atemkin, there is a sequence that dramatizes the moment in Russian history when a popular uprising was brutally crushed by the forces of the Tsar. It lasts about six minutes and is filmed with rapid cutting, meticulously framed images and furiously paced music, all arranged to rouse our indignation at the massacre taking place. There is very little acting required. Instead, it was the director, Sergei Eisenstein, who did all the heavy lifting. Because if there is one thing that typifies a set piece, it is direction. Now, to go back to Bond, well, we need to go back to before Bond. In 1959, there appeared a film that I regard as the greatest Bond picture that does not feature James Bond. I'm talking about... North by Northwest has it all. Thrills, spills and spies, guns, gadgets and a girl. Not to mention Cary Grant, never shaken, never stirred, completely unflappable, the very personification of a dry martini. And it was all directed by Alfred Hitchcock. If there is one director to whom the set piece owes a debt of gratitude, it is to the master of suspense himself. Now I'm not suggesting for a second that Hitchcock was the creator of the set piece. I mentioned Eisenstein from the 1920s, and you could include D.W. Griffith and his notorious film from 1915, Birth of a Nation. But undoubtedly, Hitchcock was a great practitioner of the set piece, and dozens of his films present sequences that stand as separate forms within the story. While you have the fairground murder in Strangers on a Train, the shower scene in Psycho, and the attack on the school and the birds, you can practically measure North by Northwest in terms of its set pieces. The murder in the UN, the crop duster attack, the climax in Mount Rushmore. The reason why Hitchcock's method stood out was because at the time, Hollywood cinema was preoccupied with telling its stories in as smooth a manner as possible. Until about the late 1960s, Hollywood storytelling was all about smooth narrative lines. The set piece is exactly the opposite because it changes the way the film tells its story. Cineasts refer to this as narrative rupture, moments when the smooth surface of the story is suddenly punctured and a different rhythm, tone and style break through. Now, while the set piece sits most comfortably in the action picture or thriller, it's not exclusive to those genres. Consider these moments. Just take those old 
what you'll ever do. Two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number since the number one. But whether in an action picture, teen comedy, or a drama, a set piece operates in one of two ways. You either film the event from several vantage points and cut the whole thing together, like this scene. Or you film the whole thing in one long magnetizing take. Deploying a single shot does something completely different from cross-cutting, because it locks the audience into not only a single point of view, but also a rigid real time. The seconds tick by as they do in real life, and we can neither move away nor slow things down. And you know what? Hitchcock did that very thing in his 1948 movie, Rope, where he used a series of long, near seamlessly assembled single takes. And bearing that in mind, think of any number of stunning sequences filmed in one single shot, such as Joe Wright's Atonement, where thousands of British soldiers are waiting on the beach in Dunkirk, or Children of Men, where Alfonso Cuaron designs the climactic escape from the refugee camp, or this single shot. But either way, long take, rapid cutting, music chase, you've got your set piece, you've created your iconic moment, and you've got people talking about your picture.